Hi, I'm Rachel Monteleone and welcome to Kittypedia, the podcast. I'm not an expert. However, I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together, let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hello and welcome. Well, in the nine months leading up to the birth of a baby, it is a time of planning and preparation for the parents-to-be. Now, depending on how the pregnancy came about and the type of relationship the parents are in, this time can deliver any number of scenarios and experiences from blissfully happy to intensely challenging. Now, all of these situations will have an impact on the sense of connection between the couple and the beginnings of the connection with the baby. So to help talk to us about how couples can make the most of this time in the lead up to the pending arrival, we welcome our special guest, Elizabeth Shaw, CEO of Relationships Australia, New South Wales. Now, Elizabeth is a clinical and counselling psychologist with extensive experience in relationship services. She has taught at ACU, UNSW and Newcastle universities in the area of clinical practice, management and professional ethics and routinely presents and publishes work in these areas. She's also a senior consultant and chair of the board for many leading organisations. Welcome back, Elizabeth. How are you? Hi, Rachel. I'm well, thank you. Now, in the ever-evolving landscape of contemporary and 21st century relationships, one thing does seem to be consistent, and that is the varied and different scenarios that a baby can be born into. So in your career so far, how have you seen this situation evolve and change over the years? Well, it's interesting to observe that um, the birth of the baby is influenced by any number of fashions, just like any other um, event or circumstance. So I think over time you see different um, expectations, opportunities, a lot more individual differences. And the, the great thing about that is that um, that a, a, a person uh, looking forward to the birth of their first child or a couple um, can can literally put their own stamp on it. They can do it their own way. Um, at the same time, I think we've seen growing expectations about it um, and sometimes an additional loading of how it should be, how it could be, um, how you should be able to control aspects of it. Um, and yet what it is, of course, is a very out-of-control event in many ways and sometimes those very uh, fashions and expectations and um, the imaginations you have about your big day um, can in themselves come back to bite us. Absolutely. I'd love to know from your perspective, I mean, how can pregnancy put pressure onto couples and what are some of the most common scenarios that you see couples face? Just, I guess, through the consultations um, they, they come to, to Relationships Australia for. Mm. Well, look, I think um, one, of the, one of the most obvious ones is that um, a, a couple in their own view could be travelling along fine um, and then pregnancy comes about and suddenly a lot of issues that they may never have talked about where they actually just assumed it would all take care of itself um, arises. Um, and sometimes, in fact, even individual histories loom larger and surprise the couple themselves. So suddenly when you've got a baby coming, you might say, you know what, I've realised my religion's more important to me than I would have liked or actually I think I'd like them to go to my old school or, um, or it may be um, 
that uh, suddenly you are reflecting on your own history of things that you want to make sure never happens to your child or absolutely has to happen to your child. Um, and, uh, and so suddenly this stuff comes up and, and it can surprise people how much is there. The other thing is that it is such an opportunity for everybody else to wade in with their um, expectations. So you might suddenly find that in-laws are expecting to have a key role with your baby. They might be expected to be the, um, the primary babysitter. You know, there might be competition between them. Um, there may be friends and family, uh, extended family, that are still expecting things from you, like you'll still be there for me or I expect our social life will continue, when in fact um, they that none of that might be the case. So I think there's an awful lot of jostling and reconsidering about one's own place in the world, um, hopes and dreams, reflections on own history, and, and sometimes doing battle with the people in our lives that's quite a sort of cacophony of noise that crowds in when you're first pregnant. Mm -hmm, Definitely. We have lots to cover during our our chat today. So before we get stuck into all of the the detail, I would love to just acknowledge that we had published your article titled uh, Preparing for Your First Baby from the Practical to the Great Unknown. Now, for someone who hasn't read the article yet, can you please tell us what it's about and what inspired you to write it? Well, look, I was um, inspired to write it because I do think that this is both an exciting and challenging time and um, and that uh, that it's really important to normalise some of the things that happen because you can go a bit into your bubble if you have a partner that you're having the baby with, then you, you can be in your own little bubble and sometimes you can start to feel like um, you're... you're uh, perhaps doing it a bit differently or that you are out of step with your community. And I think to talk about some of the broad themes of what goes on at this time can be a comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, I think unless you balance the excitement with the practicality that you you do have hopes and dreams but you also are very prepared for the realities then sometimes too what can be a really lovely time can end up being um, quite surprisingly disappointing. And what you don't want is to go into the first few days and weeks of your baby's life disappointed or full yes. of remorse and regret um, because that doesn't set you up well for the relationship ahead. So I just thought um, an article that I hope would be a bit of a conversation starter might be useful. Yes, and it definitely is just that. And, you know, the preparation um, that a couple goes through before the arrival of the baby is a a very exciting time from choosing a name Mm. to how they want to parent the child, education to extended family contact, as you just mentioned before. So, you know, in your experience, how can parents make the most of of this wonderful time and use the preparation to help strengthen their, their connection? Well, certainly it can feel like a, um, a, a very romantic time because you have the living embodiment between you of something that you've, you've created together. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that in itself can be um, very intimate and very romantic. Um, and as I say, can also um, give you an opportunity to share your hopes and dreams and, um, and what you wish for as a family. And some of those conversations are terrific, even if they also bring up 
um, issues like, well, I've just found out you want them to go to your old school, that kind of thing. It still is um, a really good opportunity to spend time just reflecting together. And, uh, and you, you know, the great thing is you've got nine months that you can explore it. You don't have to panic if any one issue comes up. You've got a bit of time to work this through and your first thoughts may not be your last thoughts. Mm-hmm. So I think there is something very romantic about it, um, but it's also the first chance you get to try and um, develop the boundaries that you want to have with the extended family because the first thing that, that often happens is that sort of pylon of everyone having an opinion. Mm-hmm. and deal with that together, um, how you back each other up, how you how you agree to nod and smile and discuss it later, all of those things that you work out are going to stand you in good stead for when you really have a baby there and there's more intrusion um, uh, going on, then I think, I think you can have practised together, which is also really nice. Absolutely. And do you see this time um, sort of being an opportunity to work hard to build a common vision as well? Look, it is a really useful time to build a common vision and uh, and there's a lot you can do in that direction. And even, even as you're putting the baby's room together in a way that represents your offering to your baby and, um, and all the choices that you make also can reflect what you want to be on about, uh, what you hope the baby's experience will be like. And also, you know, some fun um, elements because I think for many people, um, picking up toys for maybe the first time in years, you can't help but feel a little bit more playful yourself. And that also could bring an element to the relationship that is really, um, which is which is really lovely to do. Yes. And, and what are your thoughts on the parents using their imaginations to picture the kinds of scenarios that they could face as part of a forward thinking and um, sort of strategy and, and in their preparation during this time as well? Well, look, this is where it's, it's uh, you know, a lovely thing and it also can be challenging because, um, because what you're picturing initially is an extension of yourself. So you're thinking, what do I want for my child, which is very much what I want for my child. When a child actually turns up, um, what you don't yet know is what that child's going to be like. You have no idea what personality and temperament it's going to bring. So all you're thinking is only stretched as far as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And so you often might spend time together saying, well, let's think about all the children we know and what if they were our child? That can also help. That can help you stretch your imagination. Somewhere in there, it's also good to say, what if something happens that we don't expect? Now, the hard thing about this is pregnancy can also be full of fear. If you've had a history of miscarriage or you're having children quite late and you've already been worried about um, genetical difficulties um, or, you know, we, we all know that things unforeseen can happen during the pregnancy and birth anyway, random events, um, that you can also fear discussing these things. But it is really important to say, well, what if we do have a child that doesn't sleep? You know, what if we do have a child that, um, that uh, you know, does have some uh, difficulties, maybe in the first weeks, maybe ongoing? Um, what if I can't breastfeed and I've always wanted to? Um, you know, what if, in fact, my workplace is more inflexible and they say they will be? Um, all of these sorts of things. What if I don't want to go back to work? Just to start to stretch yourself. Now, some of these conversations um, might feel quite um, 
uh, like they're bad luck or something. But I, I think they're all um, important to help you clarify what's ahead. Um, and I think it's also important that if you are working through the children you know and, the you know, say, so, well, if it was my child, I wouldn't be doing that, is also to remember that um, until you're in the moment, um, it's very easy to be judgmental of others. Is a very imperfect experience, and we have to be generous and forgiving, and know that it's challenging. Absolutely, you know, and naturally, some of these conversations and topics are likely to raise new and/or unexpected issues between parents, and may even bring up some um, unresolved ones as well. So, in your view, how can parents best work through some of these sticky situations at a time that the mum may be already experiencing heightened emotions due to the pregnancy? Also, well, I think what sometimes can happen is that. Um, if, if you do have a very nervous mum who's also got some questions, um, it could be tempting for a partner to say, oh, look, I won't bring it up now. I'll bring it up later. Um, but the trouble is later might feel too, too late because if you've said nothing um, then and six months into the child's life you start to bring up the things you want, then they, they might feel a bit blindsided too. Um, and so as you're moving into the zone of the children's conversations, you don't want to look like your silence has meant agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, it just trouble later. So if you feel that there's a lot of anxiety around um, and, and yet you do want to use this time well and you want to enjoy the time, then it could be useful to have some conversations with a neutral par- party such as a, a professional counsellor just to sort of help you facilitate the kind of conversations that could be useful. And, in fact, if you are very anxious, to start to look at, well, what if anxiety is going to be around a bit? What if you also feel a bit anxious when the baby arrives and what have you got in place and develop a bit of a safety and resources plan? Um, because it may not be that the the couple, if you're you know lucky enough to be a couple in a good relationship, then um, even then you may be quite isolated. Um, your grandparents might be in other countries or might be unwell or perhaps you have a very small family. You really might be doing it alone. So starting to think of what are we going to need to keep ourselves upright? Who do we need in our corner? Sometimes a connection with a good counsellor during the pregnancy to just have a few conversations, that person can then be a resource that you can call on um, a bit later as well. Mm -hmm. So... um, I think connecting with your baby health centre, go and find out the people who you think are going to mirror the sort of parents you want to be. Get some good people in your corner. It's a good time to check out, is your GP going to see you into family life? Because maybe they've been great for your single into couple life, but maybe they're not really child focused and you, you know, doing some chopping and changing and research all helps you feel a lot more secure and a lot more ready. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as you mentioned earlier, friends and family will be wanting to have a relationship and connection with the baby too. And it is very common that family and friends may suddenly feel entitled to give comment, to question and to give their opinions, as you mentioned. So, you know, that this may actually sort of make some new demands um, on the couple and these um, are naturally going to share new thoughts and feelings as well. So all of these things can be sort of quite common between couples and um, sort of just their social network. So I'd love to know from your perspective, how can parents best approach tricky 
situations like this with their friends and family? Yeah, look, it is it is very hard, particularly if you've got um, family members and in-laws that are incredibly opinionated and quite determined. Um, so, um, so I think I think that is really um, it is really hard. So the opportunity from the beginning is to um, is to work out what your approach is going to be, and that means as a couple, you've got to have your stories straight. You know, in effect. So um, if one or other of you thinks, well, yeah, your mother's difficult, but my mother's fabulous, and uh, or I want my mother round three times a week, but your mother can stay away, um, <laughs> those you really need to sort out. Um, and uh, and so uh, so you so you set something up from the beginning if you if you can. So if you want to do something based on fairness and equity or you want to do something on um, just who's available, I think you've, you've got to bear in mind everybody, um, one of the great things is people want a relationship with your child. That's, that's a resource and that's a really great thing and your child will benefit from anyone who brings good intentions and good behaviour to the table. Um, so even if you feel a bit crowded or a bit overwhelmed or you think it's all a bit unnecessary, in years to come your child will be glad that you've kept everyone in play. Um, yes. Is, but I think what you can do is, and you know, most of us are very naturally conflict avoidant. So I think what's really important is to work out ways that you can very um, kindly but firmly boundary set and just be able to say things like, um, we're really thrilled to have your interest and you're going to be such an important person in our child's life and we're so looking forward to that and we're totally on board for that. What we really want for you know, visits or, or babysitting, we, we just don't know yet, but we know that you're volunteering and really appreciate your offer. Mm -hmm. You know, you're warm and, but you actually give no commitment. So I think, I think you've got to find ways to speak to people's good intentions um, and, uh, and, and sometimes call out the behaviour to say, look, I know you're really keen, um, but it's, look, it's not a competition and we don't, we don't want to get into that. Mm -hmm. We want to to have good relationships with everybody in the family um, and maybe this year that Nana's more available for babysitting and maybe next year it'll be you and we can do a chop and change. So I think it's about keeping everyone calm and to also feel entitled to say, um, look, we want a bit of time on our own. We've had a busy few weekends. We actually just want to hang out ourselves. You try and find ways to say things so that you're also not busy driving this baby around to everybody just to keep them feeling in the loop. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, you know, and so I think doing it from day one is important. And in your view, how important is it for the parents to be united in their decisions also? Look, generally it is very important to be united um, and where you can't be united, sometimes you can come up with a plan that still looks united. So say, for example, um, you know, a, a, in a sort of classic family form, if a woman says, I just can't see your parents that often. I'm not up for it. I'll get to resent it. You know, they're very nice, but I don't want to see them that much. Then possibly he takes the baby there for a visit and says she's having a lie down or I'm giving her a break. And then it still looks like everybody's on board, but it's not, it's not actually calling out she doesn't want to be here. Um, I, think, I think you need to get your stories straight, not necessarily to agree on everything, but you might agree on a plan to look agreeable. Yes. So that... 
So is there anything else that couples can do to work together to proactively manage uh, future points of conflict then? But is it just mainly just open communication between the parents? Look, communication is really important, um, but I guess ultimately it's about what sort of communication. Uh, For couples who say a lot of things but don't feel like they get to fix a lot of things or um, they're getting everything off their chest but they're not coming up with solutions or they're having repetitive arguments, then really just saying, look, we need a circuit breaker or we need a fresh look at this is going to be um, really important. Um, I think, you know, as I said before, doing some scenario planning um, about the different things that could come up, but also to be very mindful that you're actually planning for something where there's a third person who's going to be involved. And and so to allow, look, okay, we've done our best thinking and we're going to have to be prepared to throw the whole lot out the window when we meet this third person. Mm-hmm. Because yes. that might have a different idea. Um, and I think that's the thing. Sometimes couples can think, well, we're sorted and so it's seamless from here. Um, but I think it is really important. And, in fact, things like schooling, um, which you think is so definite now, um, may not be the case when you meet the child you have who isn't going to fit in the arrangements that you have or you might fall in love more than you realised and you don't want to work or you can't wait to get back to work or, you know, all <laughs> sorts of things could happen, the parenting experience. Um, so I think being very careful that even if you're being agreeable, you don't actually get to the point where you feel locked into your plan. Um, and equally that can be the case for the birth that, um you know, really the most important thing is for the baby to arrive safely, to be in good shape to greet that baby and from the first moment feel ready to have a relationship with that baby. And if you've put yourself through hell because you had a plan and you're sticking to it, come hell or high water, and the baby gets into distress or you're so wrecked um, or, you know, there's a crisis, um, then, you know, that's an example of being unnecessarily rigid when, when really this is about the relationship with the baby going forward, it's not the magical birth experience. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I have to be careful in our communication that we don't start to develop rules for life that we can't live up to. Yes, well said. And, you know, during the pregnancy, it's all too common that everyone wants to give you advice, some wanting to make up for their perceived mistakes and others wanting to just share their stories, um, you know, of their birth stories, horror stories, all those types of things. And although generally um, everybody has the best intentions, many of these conversations can raise the feelings of just anxiety. So I'd love to know from your perspective, do you have any tips on how to best manage all the different and varied advice and different opinions um, that are offered during pregnancy and, of course, afterwards as well. Yeah, look, it is, it is um, amazing how many people tell you their horror stories and, um, and or tell you this fanciful thinking um, and as if you're supposed to live up to that. And I think it's because, you know, parenting is very imperfect. You know, you spend most of the time feeling a bit guilty or a bit of a failure or a bit sort of on the edge of your seat or a bit in love or a bit in despair. These are a range of feelings that you feel and that's that's just the deal. Um, and to assume otherwise is, is uh, setting yourself on a hard road. So I think for people who did find it tough, they look back with more pleasure than they actually had in the first place and they then want that for you. Um, sometimes people spill out their trauma stories about birth because, in fact, they haven't resolved that it was quite 
traumatic. Um, but we have to remind ourselves that uh, a lot of people give birth and women do recover. But it is a silent topic. Um, and, um, and so it's almost like you're suddenly in the fold, you know, that everyone can sort of sidle up to you and say, I'll tell you what it's really like. And they wish they hadn't. Because um, it's really just what it was really like for them. So I think what's really important is to nod and smile and walk quickly away if you don't like the sound of it um, or, or just say, oh, well, thanks very much and change the subject. Um, but the most important thing is really to get yourself informed. So if you're surrounded by horror stories, talk more to your obstetrician. Um, go to the Baby Health Centre and get some more objective, generalised knowledge um, there's a lot of books on the subject and some of them are very political. Um, in fact, you can feel bad from the reading that you do. There's even parenting organisations that are very um, conservative or very, um, you know, with the under the heading of being um, helpful can actually make you feel very judged. And so, again, I think we see this around us and you've got to use your own wise mind and say, well, what is it, what's the kind of... Um, support that I need that fits my values and also gives me the room to make mistakes without feeling bad. So um, some women, for example, have to give up breastfeeding far earlier than they ever thought they had to because they just couldn't do it for whatever reason. It didn't work out. Well, there are some people who say you really should breastfeed until the child gives up down the other end of the spectrum. So that could be three years later, five years later. And, and so if you're around that, you could feel like an absolute failure. Um, it's just an example of one of the many things that can happen. Uh, even people saying, did you have a natural childbirth? Uh, natural opposed to what? You know. So I think we've got to be very careful. And if you're vulnerable to anxiety and depression um, and judgment and criticism, um, you can't be around that. So try and get your own wise guides and try and choose books that are um, a neutral, evidence-based, science-based um, that can be your Bible um, so that when your head gets crowded with other people's stories, you've got somewhere to turn that normalises and reassures you of what, what it is you're trying to be on about. And how can they best find those then without having to go through the pain of, I guess, reading halfway through a book and then sort of really having moments of questioning everything that they're doing and or planning to do and all of that yeah. sort of behaviour? Well, look, one thing to do is to ask friends that you feel are most similar to you. So if you do know people that have already had children and you think your values are fairly aligned, um, ask those sorts of people. You certainly can look at what are the best sellers um, as one, one way to find out too. You could certainly ask a baby health centre, which is a neutral public health place, as opposed to going to an organisation that might be pushing a particular line. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not you won't find professionals that uh, do that as well. But if you if you look at some of the public health resources that are on offer, then they're really put there for the most generic type of resource. So I think those are those are certainly places to start for you to find your feet um, and to borrow books from the library so you can quickly take them back without feeling like you've invested too much. Um, you know, I'd, I think to read widely is um, is a good thing and stop reading if you're scaring yourself because there's really, there's no need for that either. As well. Great advice. Thank you for sharing that. Now, I would also love to know what can couples do to prepare mentally for the birth um, and the initial few weeks sort of postpartum as well? 
Well, it is it is a step into the great unknown. So in some ways, it's about resilience building, about times that they've got through things that they had no idea about. And so, you know, we've all had some similar experiences like accepting a job. We knew we wanted a job and it was only when we turned up, we found out what it was really like. <laughs> and the stories matched up, you know, we thought we were joining this organisation. So there's those sort of examples or when you went to a country you'd never visited. I think just trying to remember how do we cope when things didn't work out? Um, you know, what resilience do we have in the bank? How prepared are we for this? Um, what have we got in place? I think all of those ways help people feel more confident in the decisions that they made and to say, look, even if we're throwing a curveball, um, you know, we've thought about that. I think the most important thing, though, is, as I say, not to come up with plans that become a straitjacket, but more to ask ourselves, what are we going to do if we have to throw every plan we've ever had out the window and start over? How are we going to do things on our feet? Um, and, um, and again, I think talking to um, a counsellor who might help you work on that skill set, whereas many people get drawn into the concrete details, what will we do if the baby is like this? Uh, what will we do if the baby is like that? And, and it's probably better to say, what if we have to change every day our approach? What, what if we have no idea what we're doing? Those sort of conversations are probably more helpful than pinning it to definites. Oh, I couldn't agree with you anymore. It really is worthwhile noting that once the baby arrives, irrespective of how much preparation you have done, you will have to adapt to its own individual personality and temperament, which you mentioned at the start of the chat. So it is really, well, the question is really, is it how is it important for parents to remain flexible with their idealistic views and just being open to um, opportunities to adapt? Look, I think having some version of a plan is a good one. It's just being ready to adapt. At the same time, you don't adapt, adapt every day because what a baby needs and what children need is a certain routine and certainty. That's how they learn to fit into the routine because there is one. And it makes you, as a parent, feel more in control to have a routine. And so laying good foundations is absolutely a good idea. And even if the baby's not responding on day one, two, three, or even week one, if you feel that your routine stacks up, your baby health centre confirms it, you feel you're onto something, largely staying with it is better than saying, oh, tomorrow we'll try something totally new. Um, you'll just stay in a sort of chaotic State. So having a plan is a good one. It's just making sure that um, it, it hasn't become a straitjacket and by which you're judging yourself too. Like my baby won't sleep. I'm a failure because the routine's fabulous. So it must be me. That kind of thing is not um, is not helpful. And that's where when you're tired and you're overwhelmed and you're floundering because you have no idea, um, making sure you've got resources, even ringing parent line or ringing Tresillion or any of the resources out there can help you just calm yourself down a bit um, and, and try and stay with your good ideas and change the things that are really not working. Mm -hmm. This has been a wonderful chat today and we've covered a lot. So if you were to summarise your key messages for anyone watching and listening, what would they be? Look, it certainly is um, that it's important to be prepared in a benevolent way. Do some really good thinking. Enjoy the planning and preparation, but be prepared 
for it to um, have to adapt and be flexible over time because you're getting to know someone that you don't know right now. You're planning for a relationship you don't yet have, which is the wonderful thing about it. It's very delicious, but it also is um, it, it is very challenging. Um, and uh, you take a while to work that person out and they change every day. Um, the other thing is that clearly it, uh, it's often said it takes a village to raise a child and it's true enough uh, not to not to get too isolated um, because when you're tired, um, you actually often need a third or fourth person to hand the baby to to have moments of recovery. Um, so whether that's grandma visiting or um, a best friend, um, just being able to share the load and step back and come back in is very helpful. So if you're in an isolated situation, try and work out who your support team is, um, manage them well, um, but don't be afraid to lean on people. Wonderful advice as always. And if, if anyone's got any other questions and or would like to reach out um, to Relationships uh, Australia, um, New South Wales, whereabouts can they find you? Well, you certainly, because uh, we're part of a, uh, a national federation, you can look at relationships.org.au or relationshipsnewsouthwales.org.au. Um, and we also have a, um, uh, a phone line, which is 1300 um, and that will connect you to any range of uh, services that we have, which are which are plentiful and will cover you throughout the life stages ahead. So we look forward to you being able to dip in and out as as you see fit. Wonderful. And we'll have all of those links and definitely that phone number in the show notes. Thank you again for your time, Elizabeth, and really look forward Pleasure, Rachel. to chatting with you again in the not too distant future. But in the meantime, to stay safe. Thank you, Thank you Bye. Andrew. Bye. Bye. I'm Rachel Monteleone and you've been listening to Kiddypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kiddypedia by visiting our website at kiddypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids.